Hey, everybody, good morning. How are we doing today? Come on, it's good to be in church. It's good to see your face. What a great job, worship team. Phenomenal as always. Everyone looking good, doing good, feeling good? We ready for the word? Awesome. Hey, can we welcome the Plaza location as we're linking live? Everybody online and all the men at the Lansing Correctional Facility. Hey, we love you. What an honor it is to gather together in God's house. And before you take your seat, let me just give you a quick update. Last week, we prayed and we gave uh, to everything that's going on the ground in Ukraine. And we are people that don't believe. Uh, we just give. We also pray. We don't just pray. We also give. We have faith and we have works. And they both work together to produce a kingdom result. And above and beyond our normal generosity and missions giving, I just want to brag on this church, give you a little attaboy, well done. Uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, next two days, we'll be sending $10,000 to aid to help the church in Kiev, in Ukraine, help people, give them the resources they need. And we believe they're not just going to survive, they're going to thrive. And we're going to keep praying, keep believing, keep standing. Uh, I, hey, I love the influence of social media. That's great. But uh, before you post about it, why don't you actually pray about it? And then we also did something about it that we gave sacrificially. I love the generosity of this house. And I'm very proud of you. What an honor it is to get to lead such generous people. And also we're faith-filled people that believe in the midst of the worst situation. God can work it around for his glory and for the salvation of all mankind. Amen? Amen. Wherever you're at, you can grab a seat. We're going to jump in. I'm going to start in John chapter 4, and we're not going to linger there very long. John chapter 4, often preached about, and rightfully so, one of the most beautiful Jesus encounters is this meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well. Here's Jesus walking through uh, kind of a stranger in a strange land, and uh, the story is beautiful. We'll save it for another Sunday, but I just want to touch on this part from chapter 4, verse 6. It said, so Jesus weary. He was weary from the journey. He just decided to sit down. He sat down by the well at around noontime. We know that he had sent the disciples away to get him uh, some food, and he was just worn out in the moment and just sat down by the well. I don't know what sort of status you came into church today, but I bet a lot of us are probably a little weary in life. Weary is greater than being tired. Tired can normally be solved with a nap, but weary is a status of the soul. Here's Jesus on this journey, and it's in the heat of the day. He's hungry, and he sends the disciples away, and he just sat down. And we always, as we preach in our attempts to become more like Jesus, we heavily lean into his divinity. Everything we aren't, he is. He is God and man. He's our he, he's the one we look to for inspiration. Ultimately, it leads us to transformation. But every once in a while, it's just good to look at the humanity of Jesus. That Jesus got tired. Not just tired. He, he was weary from the journey. And this message is we've been leaning into this season on the new frontier. How do we go to the places that God's always wanted to take us? Places in our family and in our marriage in our inside world, places of faith for the future that we're believing for, that he has for us. We know that the, the new, new frontier is not a destination that we arrive. It's a direction that we're on. It's 
not just something that we do or a job to get done. It's a journey that we continue in. And in the journey, you will get weary from time to time. So we talked today, how do we handle just the fatigue in our inside world as we're believing, contending, and stepping into the new frontier? I'm not talking about like a short night of sleep because you had a crying baby. I'm talking about weariness. How do we handle the weariness of a soul? Not just your boss asking you to work a little extra on a big project, not just working overtime, but just like exhaustion in your inside world when you are just too tired to keep standing or to fighting for the future, too tired to think. You're so tired, you wanna give up believing, too tired to resist even temptation. If you cannot refuel your weary soul, you will try to escape places of God purpose. You'll try to exit before you enter in. If you don't learn how to revive your heart, you will lose ground that God's actually called you to take and to occupy for the future. So we're going to speak in this new frontier. How do we fight off the fatigue or how to refuel your soul? How many just feel like wherever you're at, if we can tell the truth in church, that your soul needs a little bit of a fill up. There's two of us. Okay, now people, see, that's the power of leadership. When you go first, other people in the authenticity tell the truth. Let me pray for you before we let the word of God investigate us and point us to Jesus and show us his goodness and grace and his plan as he's perfecting that which concerns us. Come on, let's pray. Come on, applause everybody online. Father God, we thank you that you always highlight and reveal things you plan on giving us hope in and bring healing. And Lord, for every weary soul, every tired person on the inside, I think there's a fresh encounter with your grace that you are very close, even to the brokenhearted or those that just feel like they've broken down. I thank you, you are restoring, you are renewing, you are rejuvenating us inside and even out. Lord, I thank you that where they walked in here weary, they're going to head a new direction filled with hope. And Lord, I thank you they're going to have an encounter with your presence that will change them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give Jesus a little bit moment of praise and glory for what he's about ready to do in our life? You know, the number one thing I, I normally hear, I think all of us here, when you ask someone, yo, how are you doing? How are you doing today? The number one thing I hear is, ah, I'm tired. Sometimes when I have that conversation with some of the young people in church, uh, I scratch my head a little bit because I'm like, how you tired? You have 0.0 children. You are not tired. You're just distracted. Fortnite at late at night is not a reason to be tired. I got kids. I talked to some people, they only have one kid. I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're kind of tired now. You will be legitimately tired when you get on my level. I'm sure there's a single mom or single dad in the house right now that has four kids and they're looking at me like, PK, you don't even know tired yet. You haven't even experienced tired. Uh, the truth is it doesn't matter how many dependents are on your tax return. Life is exhausting. How many know it's just tiring. It's easy to run out of steam. I think even more so when you're trying to do things for God. If you're just trying to live in the culture and get your validation by what the culture calls significance or success, yeah, life's tough. But, but I think when you're trying to be built into a person that's becoming like Jesus, when we're trying to build people who bring heaven to earth, you're, you're living in this tension that we're, 
we're in this world, but we're not fully of this world, but we're in this broken world and it breaks us down. And there's some people that look like they have all the energy in the world, but they're really truthfully tired, tired on the inside. And yet the eternal one, Jesus, he has a remedy to refuel your empty soul. I promise you this. It is not a temporary fix. It's not just a moment of a pep talk, but it is a permanent place of soul strength. It is a process that he will take you through to temper and to strengthen your inside world. And it's not a one-time fix. It's a daily decision that you make. And these daily decisions lead us to a place called destiny. And you were not destined to always dread life or to be weary in life. And if your soul is depleted, you came to the right place today. Amen. Jesus says in Matthew 11, if you are tired, tired from carrying heavy burdens, tired from the weights of this world, tired of not having any margin in your life, if you are tired, come to me and I will give you rest. You come to me, but also I need you to take on some things. Actually, just one thing. I need you to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit. And you will find rest for your soul. For the yoke I share with you is easy to wear. And the load that I'll call you to carry, because I'm not going to do everything for you, but I'm going to do some things with you. The load I called you to carry is light. He gives us an invitation to soul rejuvenation. He gives us an opportunity to have access to him. And there's just something about being in the proximity of Jesus that gives you courage. It gives you energy when you're on empty fuel to keep going into the new frontier and the place of your calling. Even when you feel like you've got nothing left, you always have the ever-present help of your Savior by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to rejuvenate your soul. You don't have to live exhausted on the inside. And you will get to your future if you don't allow the fatigue of this life to stop your faith. Getting tired is a part of this life, but living weary in your soul is no way to live at all. Let's take a little survey today. Um, how many people, Plaza Online, North, Lansing, how many people, uh, you're one that is always trying to keep your car at maximum fuel level? Not a person, two of us. Uh, how many of you are, uh, when it's at a half a tank, it's half empty and you're a glass full type of person? that you fill it up when it gets to half. How in the world do you do that? How many quarter tankers here living life a little on the edge? How many ride or die people do we have in the house that are riding that thing till the last drop? Come on, tell the truth. Like how many of you ever running out of gas before? How many ran out of gas? Come on, this isn't a public shaming, it's a scientific poll, okay? I've ran out of gas before a couple times. This is how I roll. I roll every mile like it's my last. Fast and furious, my life, a quarter mile at a time. I'm running on fumes, and then I start running on faith. I pray, I bind the devil, I intercede, I prophesy overflow 
into my gas tank. I let that little digital gauge that shows you how much you have left get to triple O's. Cause I hate to stop for gas. I hate, I, especially now. Hello. You got to sell a kidney just to fill that thing up. Don't even think about premium. You need to think about Tesla right now. Two times in my life I've ran out of gas. One, I was a high school. The other time was a couple years ago, actually a while ago, seven, eight years ago. Uh, and I pulled in, I knew I was out of gas. I pulled into quick trip. I was going to fill it up, maybe get a blueberry donut if the Lord led. Um, and then this big time, super influential pastor called me and I didn't even know how I had his number in my phone. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like talking to a hero, a modern day hero in the faith. And so I picked it up. It was a big deal to me to get to talk to him, to get to learn from him. And I sat there right in front of the tank and we were talking and I was like, I was on 10. I was just excited that he was encouraging me. And, and then I realized, Oh, I got a meeting I got to get to. And so I just pulled out. I was in the right place, but I didn't do the process and I left and about a mile down the road, I stop. I wish it was a side street. I was on like 75th at noon break. Cars were flying down. Everyone's mad at me. It was hot. The air conditioning kicked off. I am sweating. I am talking on the phone. I am waving people by. And he was like, uh, Hey, are you okay? You sound stressed. I'm like, no, sir. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be talking to you. you. You sound busy. Should I call you back? He's like, no, 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 sir. I'm not busy. I'm going to be here for a while. I literally have nowhere. I mean, no way to go anytime. I am all ears and I ran out of gas. See, I was in the right place. And I had the opportunity, but I, I didn't trust the process. I didn't get what I needed to get. And if you're constantly running on E, you have no fuel to burn. You are headed to burn out. It is a warning sign when you're weary on the inside that you're not filling up or fueling in the right ways or places. Burnout is when the demands placed upon you are greater than the resources inside of you. And I'll be honest, the calling on your life is greater than one that you can fulfill in your own ability. But you don't just live by your own ability. You have a supernatural grace from God to grow into the fullness of your calling. But if you constantly live in this place called weary, you will not be the world changer. You will not build the family you're called to build. You won't have the blessing and uh, fulfillment of the marriage that God has for you if you're constantly on E. See, most of us don't start our day full. We start a full day normally about half full or even a quarter of the tank full. But how you set your day or start your day sets you up for the day that God has for you. Many of us are unaware that, that some of the relationships that actually can produce blessing also sometimes are places of hidden leaks that take away energy and they drain us. Energy add, uh, relationships add energy and value to your life, but they also, they also take. So we have more responsibilities than we have resource. We might have some possible leaks that are stealing away from the energy we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. And most all of us, Ignore the owner's manual of how far we are actually created to go. And we push past the limits 
of what even isn't humanly possible, even God isn't going to supernaturally give you the ability to do some things. We just keep trying to do more. For instance, we have an owner's manual that says this is the way you're to live. And, and one of the top 10 things that God says I need you to do from the Old Testament, one of the big 10, is I need you to take a proper day off. I need you to have a day called a Sabbath. And it is up there on his list of priorities with murder. Don't do that, but do do this. I need you to actually rest. Uh, science has proven that if you work seven days in a row, literally your heart begins to beat a little differently. That man was not created to just keep grinding away to try to grow yourself, your influence, your family, your business, your future. That you need to learn how to have a pause and a rest and a refuel. See, the Sabbath is a place for your body to refresh, for your soul to get some energy and for you to find a place of worship. And, and if you will not make it very far in this world, if you're constantly running on empty or if you're weary, I do think God can enlarge your capacity, but he's not going to circumvent his plan. And his plan for us now as New Testament believers, new covenant followers with Christ is to not do this life on our own to be teamed up with him, to be in close proximity with Jesus, to learn how Jesus did it in a way he did it, we can do it as well. See, we live in this world of hurry and hustle, and I'm all about working diligently and hard, but you have to learn to stretch out from a place called strength, not live your life in the stretch. Because you know the faster you drive, the more fuel you consume. And you might feel like you're getting there faster, but it's actually costing you more than you have. And when we live that way, it's called stress. And stress is a part of this broken world that we live in. But peace is a promise that Jesus has given us. Rest for our souls can be the reality of your life when you're not doing it by yourself. Because you can pull into church and you can pull out your Bible or you can get on your Bible app and you can have a worship song on. But if you don't go through the process of rejuvenation, you're going to pull right out of that gas station like I did, not doing what was necessary for you to be farther along in your journey. Jesus says, if you're tired of these burdens, you know, and you overload yourself, you cannot go as far. When you don't have any margin, you can come to him. And when you come to him, even with all your mistakes and all your mishaps, you can still find rest. And I'm going to put something on you that's made for you to carry with me. I think you have to get to the end of yourself, though. I think you got to get to the poison. The, the place where you're, you're tired of going to the point of empty all the time. I think before you get filled up, you need to get fed up. You need to start looking at this world the way that it really is. That you don't need everything new and you don't need all that God has for you right now. You don't need to fulfill every dream and desire yesterday. No, you need to realize his grace is sufficient for today and that tomorrow you're supposed to be more like him. But in the meantime, you're supposed to be led by him and he will not lead you. He will cause you to stretch by faith, but he will not take you to a place where you are so worn out. You can't find peace. You got to get fed up with the way that the world does it. You got to get over it. Until you get dissatisfied with the way that your life is constantly running from point A to point B, you're going to live in a rut. You're going to be living stressed out. 
You're going to be living overextended. So take a while and a moment to examine how you live, how much you try to actually put in your day and see if some of the processes of peace and presence of Jesus, if those aren't implemented, and I would say early on into all the activity of your daily life, you're not engaging with the caretaker of your soul, you will not go very far. And it's not that you give up and quit everything. There's kind of two groups in this a younger generation right now. There's the super achievers, watch my grind. Like I'm out here hustling. And then there's another gener same generation, but a different camp. It's like, I'm getting off the grid. You got those that are just constantly grinding and those that are out living in the woods. And I don't think, I think we're called to accomplish a lot and put our hand to the plow and be faithful with the opportunities God's given us. But we're not called to leave places of influence. There's a middle ground where you learn how to get disconnected from the grind, spend some time with the glory of God, spend some time with the presence of Jesus and get your tank filled up. So even though you're not of this world, you are in this world and you're being the kind of person who's being built that brings heaven to earth. So you can't quit everything. You need to quit trying to do everything. You can't quit. Some demands on your life have destiny attached to them. Like uh, marriage, you can't quit on that. Destiny is attached to marriage. Your, your children, you, you, know, you might get a little break when you drop them off for school, but you gotta go pick them back up again. <laughs> like you can't quit on them. I think serving people is something, even when you've been burned by people, you were wired to be a servant because God wants to make you to become more like his son. There, there's a place of service for all of us. Doesn't mean you have to go serve everybody, but there's a part of you where you give back. I think when it comes to your work, your vocation comes from the Latin word voce, which means to voice or calling. You have a calling, even if it isn't a career you love, it's still something that you do that you can't quit on. You need to let God open maybe new doors of opportunity, but you might just need to do it a different way. And that way isn't in isolation, it's in connection with Jesus. And if you don't get fed up to the point where you start to figure out how do I do this better with God, with Jesus? How do I do this better? And, and how do I find the grace for the pace of my life? You're going to then experience just pain, pain, stress, and worn out will lead you to pain. And pain is sometimes God's way of pointing out that you have a problem. In Psalms 23, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That sometimes the shepherd will shut some things down in your life. And when you find yourself worn out and flat on your back, the only way you can look is up. But in the meantime, before you get to that place of brokenness in your soul or your marriage or your relationships or your resource or your physical body, start looking up now. Look up before you're flat out on your back because you have really two choices. You can keep going the way you've been going, the way that the world does it, which will lead you to break down, or you can break out of the routines that leave you stressed and restless and get a God perspective about how the, you're supposed to live your life. Because nobody can live at the pace that this world seems to demand at us and still stay in rhythm and at peace in our hearts. What I love about when we come to Jesus is we don't have to have it all figured out. We can come to him just as we are. 
And some of you, you don't get close to God and you don't get connected with the presence of Jesus and you don't find that rest because you're still trying to wrestle with all your old stuff yesterday or even current hangups. What I love about coming to Jesus to find rest for our souls is that you could bring your bags with you. He says, go ahead and bring your burdens. Go ahead and bring your issues to me. Bring the bag of your shame. Bring the bag of all the mistakes you've made. Bring the bag of your family's expectations of you. In fact, I want everything you got. You can bring that to me. And when you come, I think in the house of God, some of you are to pretend like you're perfect as you're walking in the door. And you're going to get your church on for a moment. And then you're going to go back to your, your real life. But it's in a place like this around other people that we come together in authenticity. And it's where transformation happens when we begin to worship together. In fact, I believe worship helps you move weight. That when some people showed up today, they needed a God encounter. They realized that this is a place where heaven meets earth. And this is a place where God's presence is. And I know as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. But there's just something about worshiping that moves weight. It takes the weight of your burdens and your baggage that you cannot carry any longer. It is crippling you. And it puts it on the caregiver of your soul. It puts it on the well-capable shoulders of your Christ Jesus. The worship begins to, to move weight. Jesus says, I need you to do three things. I just first and foremost just need you to come. Come just as you are. You can bring all the baggage and the burdens and the questions to me. And then I need you to take my, my yoke. In other words, I've got something for you to get connected to that keeps you with me. And then I, I want you to learn. Learn from me. In other words, I'm going to teach you a new way to do it. It's not just a moment of encounter and worship where you get a little bit of peace. It's a new way of living that he's called you to live your life and to lead your life. He says, come to me with all the good in your life. Come to me with all the baggage in your life. Come with all the frustrations in your life. Come with me with all the relational pain in your life. Come with me with all the dreams that you've got that seem so distant. Come to me, and I'm not just going to give you a five-hour energy. I'm not going to give you a lecture. I'm going to give you rest for your soul and a new way to live. He doesn't say come to religion. He doesn't say come to new rules. He doesn't say come to new regulations on your life because rest is not found in rules, rituals, religion, or regulations. It's found in relationship. It's found in a closeness and connectivity with the presence of Jesus. Your answer for your weariness of your soul is not a paid vacation. The answer to your weariness is a person. And he wants to be close because you can go on vacation and you bring everything with you to wherever you go. He wants to give you a new way to see life and to see life connected to him and to see life as you learn how to do it like Jesus did it. The answer is the person who says, come to me and I'll give you rest. In John chapter six, verse 47, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never reject in other words, you can come to him with your shame. You can come to him with your secrets that are stealing your energy and your supply. You can come to him with your regrets. You can come to him with your doubt. All he really wants is for you to come to him. And what will he give you? Rest for your soul. Because the problem really isn't that you're just tired or have tired muscles or missed a night of sleep. It's that you've got a tired mind. You've got tired emotions. You're tired of some of the relationships you've been. You've got a tired spirit. And then you get into his presence. We do it through worship and through praise. And you take that weariness 
and the weight of your world. And through worship, we push the weight to the place where it's supposed to be. Maybe we strip away some of the weight that needs to go. I love how Isaiah chapter 40 says it, two different verses there. It says he gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Our culture says, go, dog, go. But Jesus says, no, I need you to come to me. Verse 31 says, those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. That you can mount up to elevations you have never been before. You can run or walk and not grow weary. You don't have to live in depletion anymore. And the solution is just proximity to Jesus. And Jesus says, I'll teach you how to build the relationship of renewal in your soul. I'm going to teach you how to worship. I'm going to teach you priorities. I'm going to teach you how to stay in my presence. I'm going to teach you how to hear my voice. I'm going to teach you how to pray in intimacy or relational connectivity to your God. I love in Matthew 6 from the message. It's talking about prayer. It says, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play. You ain't playing God games before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you and your worry and your lack and your issues and your hangups. It'll shift from you to your God. And then you'll begin to sense his grace. And yet you can hear that word and hear that challenge or opportunity really of Jesus. And you can pull into the station. But until you do the process of worship, until you do the process of prayer, until you do the process of letting Jesus' priorities become your priorities, unless you work his ways into your inner world, you were in the right place, but you didn't get the fuel. And you will leave that place no different than before. And yet here we are with open Bibles, hopefully with open hearts, ready to hear from the Spirit of God. And then when you get into that place of connection, you get direction and you get the fuel you need to fulfill the purpose of your calling. And one of the things we have to do when we come to Jesus is to, to cancel this false sense of control. I tell you, there's a lot of things you can't control. And most of those things are things you're not controlling. Your attitude, your behavior, your schedule to some extent, your opportunities to spend with God. You control perspective, the words that come out of your mouth. You can control those things. But pretty much everything else in life, you cannot control. The climate of the world, the, the, how your boss responds, your spouse. As soon as you quit trying to control that person, the better off you're going to be. You can't control the economy right now at all, but you can control where you put your trust in. We've got to learn this is healthy cancel culture. I'm going to cancel trying to control everything and everyone around me because the more you surrender, the less you suffer. And it's not that you just go along with the flow. No, be disciplined, be diligent, get development in your life, but realize so much of this world is outside of your control. But friends, it is not outside of God's control. And you learn to take your hand off the stranglehold of that issue 
and give it to surrender to God and watch him see, watch him do and you'll begin to see him do some things that you can never do in your own ability or your own power. The greater you have need for control, the more overloaded and stressed you're gonna be in life. So Jesus says, instead of me controlling you, I'm gonna invite you to team up with me. He says, take my yoke upon you and you're gonna learn from me. I'm not gonna just make it happen for you. I'm gonna walk with you for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, yoke is a, it's this piece of wood that was crafted and fashioned to, to put two cows together or two oxen together to pull a cart or to pull a plow. I think we're all aware of what it is, even though we do not use them, at least in my life. Maybe some people from the far north of the North Campus or way south of the Plaza Campus might use a yoke, but we don't. But we understand that it's, a, it's a, not just something that he lays on us, it's something that connects us to him. So anything Jesus is asking of you to carry is not something you just do in isolation. You actually do it in relationship with him. And for some of you to put that yoke of responsibility in relationship and connectivity to him means you gotta take off some other yokes. Which I don't mean it means you kick every relationship out of your life, but they might not get the place of priority on your life because you might be walking with some people that are headed in the wrong direction. I was trying to speed you up to something that you're not called to walk in. So what actually happens is it is not a burden that Jesus asks of you. He says, bring me your burdens and I'm going to give you this opportunity of connectivity that will then lighten the load because I have more strength than you have but you're teamed up with me. You're no longer having to pull all this by yourself. I'm doing it with you. See, God doesn't take away all your problems. He teams up with you to carry them. And when you put that yoke on, you might have to take a few of them off. But it says in Psalms 55, you can pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He can take much more of the load that you can. It says in Matthew chapter 11, Verse 30, but this time from the New Living Translation, it says, my yoke fits perfectly. So you think what someone else does or how they walk with Jesus, there might be some things you can learn from them. You might be able to imitate them as they imitate Christ. That's great. But you've got your custom-made connection to him. This isn't your mommy and your daddy's faith. This is yours. This isn't your praying grandma's faith. That's, this is your yoke. This is what it looks like for you, custom made for your gifts, your dreams, your desires, your relationship, for your family, for your marriage, for raising of your kids. And you get into that place of custom crafted connection to Jesus for you. And then you get his strength. It is about partnership and proximity. Because once you're yoked up, you with him. And you're staying with him. And you're working with him. And he'll teach you how to do it. You guys remember Red Light, Green Light from the playground? It's a classic. Long before Squid Game made it into a life or death scenario. Red Light, Green Light. In other words, you say Red Light, you had to stop. Green Light, you had to go. It's who could get to the end. Well, God gets Red Light, Green Light in our life. When you get teamed up, yoked up with Jesus, you are in connectivity and proximity and partnership with him. When he moves, you move. And when he stops, you stop. I'm headed in the same direction and the same pace as Jesus. 
Let me tell you some things. He's always going to green light in your life. He's always going to green light prayer. He's always going to green light daily being a part of a community or a family of faith that's bigger than just you. He's always going to green light authenticity. He's always going to green light repentance to him, telling him where you missed it and asking for his help and forgiveness. He's always going to green light generosity. He's always going to green light worship, but he's also going to red light some things. And these can be the most frustrating because not everything that he's going to red light in your life is labeled just a sin. Of course, he's going to red light gossip. Of course, he's going to red light some boundaries that are clearly defined in his word. But he might even red light some opportunities that you might have. He might even red light some relationships that you might be in. And when you're teamed up with him, you learn to find his presence in proximity to him and the pace of your calling. And sometimes you want to go slow and he wants to speed you up because he wants to teach you about living a life of faith. And sometimes you're ready to run filled with ambition and he actually wants to slow you down because you think that's the right direction. But he actually has a, such a better path that he's wanting you to partake in. See, my goal on a Sunday is not to teach you everything you're supposed to do and all the things you're not supposed to do. But I want to lead you to the one that knows everything you need for the new frontier of your faith and your calling so you can begin to hear his voice and walk with him. Galatians 5 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love how the message says this from Romans 3 verse 28. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God and all the others. In other words, all the right relationships in your life by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. I've learned in my 13 plus years of marriage to my better half over here that when Liz has a perspective about an issue, maybe a warning about something that even though I think I see it clearly, that I need to listen to my wife because I can either listen and learn or I'm going to hear, I told you so on the other end, because very rarely is she wrong about that, about a, a, a person, problem, issue, opportunity. I've learned uh, what I've learned over time is that even though she might not see it the way that I see it, I know that she loves me completely. And so I'm going to at least bring in her perspective. and I'm going to weigh that before I just go and do things my own way. How much more so does Jesus want to tell you what's right for you, lead you with a perspective that's greater than you can see naturally, knows the steps that you're supposed to. In fact, he's ordained them and he's ordered them before the day you were born. So you need to start trusting him in what he's telling you. And we have his word, which is his ways, which is our way forward to a life that looks more like Christ. And he's already told us the way we're called to live, to operate. And if we want to learn from Jesus, we don't only have four gospels. We got all the whole counsel of the scripture of God in tune with the whisper of the Holy Spirit to shows you how to apply his perspective to the issues that you might be walking up against. Learn from me, he says. I am gentle, I am humble in heart, and then I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus got so much done in three years of ministry, but you do not see him hurrying or running around everywhere. He understand not to live by aggression. Jesus didn't live by arrogance, but instead he lived for purpose. And everything he did, he walked in peace. 
in the same way when you're just aggressive to try to go get your own thing and you're in arrogance when it's all about you you're going to miss your kingdom calling and you're going to live depleted in your heart and your soul. But if you can learn that, yes, you do have a purpose and it is bigger than you. And when you fulfill it, it will actually be a blessing to you, but you're going to walk forward in peace. Then that's when you're yoked up with Jesus and you're becoming who you're called to be. 12 times in the book of John alone, Jesus says, I only do what the father tells me to do. It doesn't mean you're sitting around always waiting for a word from God before you do anything in your life or accomplish anything in your day, but we have thousands of words from God that show us the way that we are called to live. And if you're tired of, of, of living your life worn out and ragged on the inside, start saying, I want to see it the way that you said it. I want to live the way that you've called me and I want to become like Jesus. And the closer I get to him, the more I'm transformed to think like him, to live like him, and to make a difference in the world like him. It says in Proverbs 20, since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? Not only can you not control it, you don't even have to have it all figured out. If I know that he's directing my steps, in other words, I'm walking in unity with his word. I'm living by his counsel. I'm connected with Jesus. I'm living out my purpose. I'm letting him green light the times for me to go. I'm learning him to red light and shut me down in times I'm trying to step forward too soon. I can just trust that he's working it together for good. I don't have to understand it all. For many of us, this is the faith walk God is calling you to, that we don't panic when the path becomes unfamiliar. In other words, just because you don't know how he's going to pull it all together. <laughs> in fact, I was driving up here with a guy in the church sitting in service right now. And he was telling me that he went from worst salesman at his old job to salesman of the year in his new one. And he realized, man, I was so frustrated. And my, oh, I tried my best. I gave it my all. I just couldn't get it done. And yet now I moved into this new place and I'm getting promoted. I've never been more blessed in my life. It's still the same me, but I'm in the right place. And I just said, man, maybe if you would have gotten half, like you were at the 50 percentile of salespeople at the last place, you probably would still be there. Think about the opportunities missed because he was so pushing hard to go forward. And God says, no, I actually want to take you to a different place because it's in that place where the pathway for your future is brimming with life, with hope, with health and with peace. You might have come in here today ready to give up, worn out on the inside. I want to encourage you. In a few moments, we're going to worship. And you need to do some weight transfer. It says in Psalms 142, when I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. I can promise you this. I don't know how he's going to say it to your heart or to your spirit. But in the next few moments when we worship, if you will praise and glorify God, you will begin to get a peace, maybe a correction, maybe a direction of what he's asking you to do today. And you're going to get in connectivity and proximity with Jesus. You're going to let him establish your pace. And you're going to begin to see probably slowly, but surely the will of God will become the reality of your life. And the weariness of your soul will begin to dissipate as God begins to saturate you with his goodness and his grace and it'll begin to refuel you from the inside and you will make a difference in the world outside before you give up let's team up let's team up let's get together around the things of God for some of you you feel like because of your past experience church is a red light 
You just come and spectate. I'm gonna encourage you. I promise you, God says church is a green light for your life. It might not be this community of faith, but there is a place uh, that where you get connected, you get relational, you get, you, you get on mission. If you haven't been the next steps here, I'm green lighting you. Next steps is a part of the plan of God for your life to get connected into something bigger than yourself. I think about the uh, two big bodies of water in Israel. There's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee is brimming with life. It's got fish and fruit and farms all around. The Dead Sea that gets all that water eventually through the Jordan River, there's no outlet and it's, it's just filled with tourists. They're taking mud baths. There's no life there. It's just minerals. Listen, <laughs> are laughing because we've been there. It's an interesting place. And, but it has no life because it's receiving all the life and it's not giving any of the life. You know, when Jesus sat at the well and he met that woman, which I don't know if he knew exactly that encounter was gonna happen. I just know he was weary from the journey and he just sat down and sent the disciples away to get food. And then he began to minister to her in her greatest need in her life. And then they came back with food and Jesus says, guess what, I'm already full. Because I didn't just receive life, I gave life. The Bible says that he who refreshes others himself is refreshed. And I want to encourage you, if you want to start living in the overflow in your heart, in your soul, don't just receive on a Sunday. Live your life to serve and surrender through generosity and encouragement. And you are graced to help others around you. And you will never run dry in your inside world. Before you give up, let's team up. Why don't we stand to our feet on the plaza? up north. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to worship and we're going to do some weight transfer today. We're going to take all of our worry and all of our shame and all of our question marks and all of our unfulfilled expectations and dreams. And we're going to put them on the shoulders of the one who can do something about it. And we're going to get teamed up in closeness and proximity. And we're going to let Jesus establish the pace. And all that starts through us giving them our full heart, full attention and full praise. Let me pray for you before we sing. Father God, I thank you for the plaza online, Lansing and North. I thank you for every family, every marriage, every husband and wife, every person, every individual, that they might be weary in their soul, but they're not going to leave here that way. And yes, you might take them on a process that fills them up, but we believe that your plan to have them living in, with all the energy and activity in their inside world that they need, it starts right now. Lord, we thank you that you are present to help us, capable of carrying our burdens. In fact, you have asked for them. So God, we're going to give you what you asked for. If you asked for our weariness and our heaviness, we're going to give that to you. If you've asked for our praise and our worship, we're going to give that to you. And Lord, I thank you that there's people that feel like giving up in the new frontier of faith. I thank you they're going to find a fresh refuel, fresh rejuvenation for their heart and their soul. And they're going to leave here on mission, connected with you for something greater than they ever thought. So we take these moments, God, and we give you our heart. If we've been doing it our own way, we're coming back to being connected, yoked up, teamed up together with you in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him right where we're at. Take a moment before the song kicks off. Let's start giving him our heart. Let's give him our praise. Let's give him our affection and let's sing together.